1: Seventies
0: porn. (laughs) All all, all right. I mean, it was, as I was speaking, I found myself going, this is a little Troy McClure. Yeah. So that could be.
1: I'm Troy Troy McClure. McClure.
0: You may remember me from such podcasts as a review of 1970s porn. (laughs)
1: There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Good day, everyone.
0: How you doing? Welcome to Campfire Classics, a porn review show.
1: Oh, God, I don't know how to do that Though That would actually be, you know what? a hey,
0: Ron Jeremy fan cast. You know
1: what? That would actually be fucking hilarious. Like, if you did, like, a live watch, it would be, like, a YouTube podcast. It would have to be visual. But, like, a live, kind of like what we do with books and stories, but live watching of, like, Old porn, Mystery Science
0: Pornhub three thousand. Like
1: you're rewatching like School of Cock and like so, <laughs> like like, like the, the ones that are very heavily based on like movies and stuff like that. Yep. And you just do a live reaction of like, oh no, here comes stepmom or <laughs> Yeah. I can
0: also imagine just being like the internet's Siskel and Ebert for <laughs> it's like a review show.
1: For porn. For it's, porn. Like actually like legit. It's like this one just got to the point a little too soon. I knew where it was going. I didn't feel any surprise when yada yada happened with yada yada.
0: Yeah. The title was uh a little a little bit of a spoiler as Debbie does indeed do. Dallas. Dallas.
1: <laughs> school of Cock disappointed. There was not nearly enough cock and much more meow.
0: <laughs> and entirely too much school.
1: Uh, <laughs> schooling, uh, you'd think if they were at this level of their uh, their skill, they would be better at it. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's not what we do here, Our but now I have Evan a weird- Our star Evan
0: Everhard really should have spent more time at the school of cock.
1: Evan Everhard. <laughs> I don't know.
0: That's probably because someone's name, realistically. his
1: pelvic thrusting was not up to par. <laughs> Lord, Lord. Uh, was not up to par in the same way it was in Billy Madison Does America. Or no, what was it wasn't. No, Happy Gilmore. <laughs> I tried to make it like par.
0: Par, uh-huh. yeah.
1: I'm done. Yeah. I... <laughs> but now I have a really something, good idea. Something
0: about tiger in the sack.
1: Tiger Woods. Tiger Wood. Tiger Wood. Tiger's Wood. Tiger's Wood. <laughs> hey. There it is. There it is. We got there. Teamwork makes the dream work.
0: Uh, well, if you're interested
1: in that, you should let us know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: I don't think that's one your mom will listen to or watch that. Probably not.
0: <laughs> probably not. So we now have, waiting on fans to request it, we now have a porn review podcast and a rewatch podcast of um, JP Patches.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep.
0: Waiting, which waiting I didn't find that you not bring, bring that
1: up. Ever.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, while I was thinking about um, last week's show, because oh a, a listener brought it up, um, it occurred to me that so I did a little bit of a research into the history of Armenia and into the geography of Armenia. Do you know where it is? Historically speaking, it was sandwiched between Russia, the Ottoman Empire, and the Persian Empire. So you had these three, basically like Turkey, Russia, and Iran like trying
1: dictatorships to, trying like, to yes.
0: fight over it. So I found myself wondering if maybe the reason their folklore is all such a fucking mess is because they were trying to please all of their many and various different um cultural influences and overlords or whatever. That
1: could be. Um That very well could be. Or they're just um, smoking the good drugs to forget that they're being sandwiched between these three. Now. Yeah. And so they're like, let's go to the sun child and the dragon child. Yeah, we had a lot of comments on last week's episode yeah. of like, what the damn hell was that? Maybe, Much like maybe we did. they
0: just maybe they just thought they were only allowed one folk tale and they had to squeeze everything into that one. Well, that
1: was like what uh, one of our listeners, Doug, mentioned. He was like, "I guess in Armenia you get one fairy tale and that's it. <laughs> so you better get them all in there at once and then you're done." <laughs> so uh, yeah, thank you for the responses to that. It was a wild ride for us yeah. as well. Uh, <laughs> But I think the responses have been pretty funny. Absolutely
0: (laughs) worth it, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, hey, if you're a first-time listener and if we're doing our job right, which we rarely are, every episode (laughs) is somebody's first episode, uh, go back and listen to last week and you'll understand the last minute and a half of this podcast. And
1: the title of that episode was Safe Word, Goat's Milk. Yeah. Which will make more sense when you listen to it. So, yeah, as we've stopped numbering do. the episodes at this point because we've had a lot. The, <laughs> so yeah. We lost track and there were a lot of like the special episodes with like the poo corner and stuff yeah. like that.
0: Episode number. Uh, episode
1: number many far into the future. So we'll just yeah. refer to them as by their title, which is safe word goat's milk. <laughs> yeah. Go check that shit out.
0: Um, this week should be interesting. It'll be the longest I have spoken continuously since having my teeth removed. And not
1: true. You recorded last week's episode yes, after having your teeth removed.
0: You did the reading.
1: Oh, that's true. Okay. <laughs> I was like, not true at all. We definitely yep, recorded. We did. I know you we don't did, remember the first like 12-ish hours of after the surgery, but I was like, wow, if you don't remember the next day, we have to talk.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I remember recording it. I remember editing it. We were just talking about it. Yes, but no, right. I actually have to read the story this week, yes, so that'll you be do. interesting.
1: And uh, um, on the theme of last week's, if we mm-hmm. want to segue segue into uh, what we do here, um, sure we can segue. I have picked an author from another country. All right. Um, do you want to tell? We we do we read stories? Ken usually does a, a preface of what we do. Uh, if, if no, we so far have, you're killing it. Okay, great, I love it. Uh, so we read some stories uh, every other week. I pick one or Ken picks one, and then the opposite person reads it, and then we. Uh, make fart jokes, make uh, comments, make uh, philosophical uh, debate uh, throughout the stories. But usually it's just silly. But there's some really good literature. So this week, did I do a good job? Did yeah, do yeah, All yeah, right. yeah. Fabulous. I think so.
0: Hey, listener um <laughs> go ahead and write in to 5050 gmail.com or shoot us a message on any of our social media just look for campfire classics and let heather know what you how you felt about her her <laughs> general intro. recap of what the show <laughs> My is My intro
1: I've never done that that's always you so but but I felt the segue coming so okay. so last week we did of course um, a reader from Armenia
0: mm-hmm.
1: or a writer, from, a writer Armenia. from
0: Armenia our reader was
1: a reader was Not. us, <laughs> and was very confused. Um, this week, our our uh, our writer is from Bengali.
0: Oh, okay. Is a
1: Bengali writer, and his name is. And I'm going to play the uh, the like Wikipedia. Like, listen to this onto the the thing because I will destroy it. Um, the the name I I and then I will try and say it from them, and then I'm going to give him a really lovely nickname because... Um,
0: because you're American, and that's what we do with people who have names we can't pronounce. Um, we give them easy nicknames. You will
1: understand this in a minute. Where did it go? Oh, there it is.
0: Rabindranath
1: Tagore. Rabindranath Tagore.
0: Rabindranath Tagore.
1: Yes. So that is his name as pronounced by someone who speaks this language because, of course, this his stories have been... Uh, translated, um, very famously, which I will talk about. So we're gonna call him <laughs> Rabbi, 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 which is the first four letters of his name. Rabindranath Tagore um, was born on May seventh, eighteen sixty-one. He is a Bengali poet, writer, playwright, composer, philosopher, social reformer. And painter. So all right, busy boy. he just boy. got to work. So he's fascinating. I was like, there's, I could do a lot on him, but I don't want to give too much away because uh, he wrote a shit ton of short stories, um, and they're all kind of in our our our, uh, our money spot of like the length we like of the ones I saw. Um, literary
0: money shots. Literary yeah, gotcha. money
1: shots. Going back to our our, our theme. So he really reshaped, he is known as reshaping Bengali literature and music, as well as Indian art and contextual modernism in the late 19th and 20th century and early 20th centuries. So uh, he's kind of a national hero. Um, Rabi or Tagore's poetic songs are viewed as. Spiritual and mercenal, however, his elegant prose and magical poetry is is not really known outside of Bengal, except for his, the only things that are really kind of got out of the country are his short stories. So, uh, in Bengal, he is, uh, or Bengali, he is Bengali, Bengal is the country, um, he is considered the Bard of Bengal. <laughs> so, right. like, on the level of Shakespeare, um he was born in Calcutta, and his ancestors roots go way back. But uh, skipping all the family stuff, he started writing when he was eight, and by the age of sixteen. So he had a very interesting childhood. Both of his parents were away a lot, and he was raised by servants. Now Bengal um, or in India at this time were like heavily colonized by the British, and that also plays into him so he started writing poetry when he was just eight years old by the time he was 16 he had released his first substantial poetry um collection under the pseudonym and i don't i'm going uh bahushama but it translates to sun lion okay Um, which I found funny because last week we read Sun Child. Sun Child, (laughs) yeah. I was like, "Uh uh-oh. So that was his first collection of poetries at just the age of 16. Um, They were seized by the literary authorities um, as long-lost classics. So they were seized to, like, try and protect them from being destroyed. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Got gotcha. you. Not seized Not as in like, like as in censored. Like, no. Seized as in like, oh, like, we, have we have to protect this We have protect shit.
1: this stuff because, of course, when he released it, it was probably a very small release. And right. you know, um, by 1877, he had graduated to his first short stories and dramas that he began publishing um, under his real name because, again, the mm-hmm. first ones were under a pseudonym. Uh, So he was well-known for many, many things, all the things I read before, but he was also a humanist, a universalist, an internationalist, and an arctic Arctic critic of nationalism. He absolutely was very vocal of of his denouncing of the British Raj and advocated for independence from Britain. All right. Um, Very, very, very uh, huge advocate for that. There was a lot of information on, like, the whole timeline of, like, how he used his, his platform to, like, really rise up and say we need to be free, we deserve to be our own country and stuff. But I won't go into all that. Um, colonization, bad. Um, speaking up for your human rights, good. Um, so he was on the right side of history there. So between 1878 and 1932, T- uh, Tangor set foot in more than 30 countries, on five continents, traveling and reading and doing his his work. In 1912, he took uh, he uh, took a bunch of his translated works to England where they gained attention from uh, a Gandhi protege, Charles F. Andrews. They also drew the attention of William Butler Yeats, Ezra Pound, Robert Bridges, Thomas Serge Moore, and many other writers of the time. So they were like, sure, oh, yeah. who is this guy? You're good. Like, why haven't we heard of you? Um, so good for him. And uh then in November of 1912, he got to tour the United States to uh read his read his works. So mostly known for his poetry, he also wrote many other things, including um novels. Uh the the story we're gonna read today was turned into a play. I will say that right now. Um, I know that. Uh, he wrote travelogues, uh, thousands of songs. And uh, his, But his prose and short stories, as I said, were the highest regarded. Now, he had two really cool things happen to him in his life. He was the first non-European to win the Nobel Prize in Literature. Oh,
0: damn. Yep. Cool. In
1: 1913. So right after he had done all these tours of England and got all that attention and then went to the United States and and got that attention, he was the very first non-European. To win the Nobel Prize in Literature, which I think is just amazing, but then here's a crazy fucking story that happened after he died. His Nobel Prize was stolen. So on March 25th, 2004, Tangor's Nobel Prize was stolen from the safety vault in the Visva Bharati University, along with several uh, several other of his belongings. So on December 7th of 2004, the Swedish Academy decided to present two replicas replicas to Tagore's um, Nobel Prize. So they gave, they made one of gold, which is the the standard, and then another of bronze, and they gave them both to the Bharati University. It inspired a fictional film called Nobel Core, which I'm interested in now. It's like a heist, like heisting of a, a Can fucking... It go
0: steal a Nobel? Nobel
1: Prize? Like, what the fuck? Um, and then in 1916, a Bali singer named Pradeep Barai. um accused of was accused of sheltering the thieves and was arrested so dot 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 that's all i had there so i'm like ooh, is this still an unsolved crime or like did this guy is is he like did he lead the authorities to who did it or yeah i kind of want to do more research you know what we
0: need we need the help of arsene lupin
1: ah yes so also, he received a knighthood from the British Crown. But <laughs> given his stance on the British Crown, he said, fuck this, and he renounced his knighthood in response to so he 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 took it because at the like he was very outspoken about his against the British rule, but like You get something like that, and it's not like it's hard to just say fuck you because, like, your family, your friends, and everything. It's Mm -hmm. like, but there was a huge massacre um, called the Jawala Ba Massacre in 1919. And this was uh, when he wrote to Lord Chemsford that quote, The time has come when badges of honor make our shame glaring in the incredulous context of humiliation, and I, for my part, wish to stand shorn of all special distinctions by the side of those of my countrymen who, for their so-called insignificance, are liable to suffer degradation not fit for human beings. And he said, fuck your knighthood, take it back, and he renounced it. So, um, that is a very brief intro to this this wonderful man. There was a lot of information on him, and I'm very intrigued. He passed away on August 7th of 1941. All right. So, the story you will be reading today is from his most famous collection of short stories, and it is called In the Middle of the Night. I go walking in the... This- I almost sang that when the the <laughs> thing, and I was like, no, I'm going to give it away. Ever since I found the story, I've been like humming that in the middle
0: of the night. The of the, I go walking, walking in, in my sleep in the middle of the I go walking in the middle of the night In the middle of the I the go so walking deep. in my in the middle of the I <laughs> go walking alright
1: the... you All right, y'all, let's do it. Let's start let's the start fire. Let's start this fire.
0: In the middle of the night by Rabindranath Tagore. Doctor! Doctor! Someone pestering me. In the middle of the night, I open my eyes to see our local zamindar, Dakshin. Oh, Jesus. <laughs>
1: there are a few Indian names, I did warn you. They're not, like, prevalent, and... Again, well, you can give him do a my nickname. Best. And get, yes, give gonna him... I'm going to do my best. Yeah.
0: I open my eyes to see our local zamindar. Nope. What the fuck is a zamindar? What is a
1: zamindar? I I'm going to look it up. All right. <laughs> I'm assuming it's like a... I'm not going to make assumptions. Zamindar, a landowner, especially one who leases his land to tenant farmers. Landlord. Oh, landlord. <laughs> I love that this is a translated, uh, um, but he didn't translate that. It's very specific. I like it. Cool.
0: Great. I open my eyes to see our local zamindar, Dakshinacharan Babu. I scrambled to my feet, dragged out my broken-backed armchair for him, sat him down, and looked anxiously into his face. It was half-past two by my watch.
1: That's too late. That's It's (laughs) like, go to sleep. Yep.
0: (laughs) His face was pale, and his eyes were staring as he spoke. The same trouble again tonight. Your medicine hasn't worked. Perhaps you've been drinking again. I said hesitantly.
1: (laughs) The medicine doesn't work when you pair it with alcohol, dude. I told you. Come on.
0: He flared up. You're quite wrong there. It isn't drink. Unless I tell you the whole story from beginning to end, you'll never know the reason. The small tin kerosene lamp on the shelf was guttering. I raised the wick. It shone a little more brightly and made lots of smoke. I tucked up my dhoti and sat cross-legged on a packing case covered with newspaper. Babu began. You don't find many housewives like my first wife, but I was young then and susceptible and always immersed in poetry, so undiluted housewifery didn't appeal to me much. Those lines of Kalidasa kept coming to me. A wife is a counselor, friend, and lover. In the fine arts, it is a joy to teach her. But I didn't get much joy in my efforts to teach my wife, and if I tried to address her in terms of a lover, she would burst out laughing. (laughs) Like Indra's elephant, floundering in the Ganges, the finest gems of poetry and fondest endearments were swept away instantly by her laughter. She was marvelously good at laughing.
1: She's like, dude, stop mansplaining to me in your poetry. Like, just tell me what you fucking want. She's like, you're not as good at this as you think you are, honey. (laughs) She's like, I'm smarter than you.
0: Four years went by, and then I fell terribly ill. I had boils on my lips. I was delirious with fever. I was fighting for my life. No one thought I would survive. Things got so far that the doctor gave me up for lost. But then a relative of mine brought a monk from somewhere. He gave me a root mixed with ghee. And whether through the power of this medicine or through fate... I recovered
1: he brought the witch doctor to fix you up real good
0: he's
1: like where did this guy come from he just gave me some mixed root that sounds like some fucking witchery if i've ever heard it (laughs) from this witch
0: to one other While I was ill, my wife didn't rest for a minute. Death's envoys gathered at the door for those few days, and a feeble woman fought them continuously with mere human strength and the utmost power of feeling. She seemed to clutch and press my unworthy life to her breast as if it were a child, giving all her love and care. She didn't eat or sleep. She had no thought for anything else in the world. Like a vanquished tiger, death dropped me from its jaws and went away. But as he went, he dealt my wife a heavy blow with his paw. She was pregnant at the time, and after a short time gave birth (gasps) to a dead baby.
1: Oh, no! It's like he, like, it's very, uh, that's very, um... Like, the thing that happened with Daenerys and, like the the witch, the witch doctor came in and like saved him but like that you have to the cost sacrifice of a life is life. something yeah. oh my gosh that's so sad
0: various complicated illnesses began after that i had to look after her this used to embarrass her. What are you doing, she would say. What will people think? Don't keep coming in and out of my room like this all the time.
1: Oh, I like this woman. She's a badass. She's like, so. as far as I can tell. She seems very smart. She was very caring when he was sick. And then she lost someone, and she's like, don't fuss over me. I'm okay. Like, we'll figure it out.
0: Yeah, although also clearly this guy is trying to figure it out. Yes. He's caring for yes. her. yes. They seem to have a good relationship.
1: Even though she, she loves laughing.
0: <laughs> he tries to be romantic and she laughs at him. But That's,
1: you know, precious. <laughs> that's, their, that's their thing.
0: At night, when she was feverish, I tried to fan her by pretending I was fanning myself. A tug-of-war for the fan would ensue. If sometimes my nursing took me ten minutes past my meal time, I had to beg and coax her to accept it. The slightest attention seemed to do more harm than good. She would say, ''It's not right for a man to do all this.'' ''I dare say you've seen our house at Baranagar.'' There's a garden in front, between the house and the Ganges. On the south side of the house, just beneath our bedroom, my wife enclosed a small plot with a henna hedge and made a garden of her own. Out of all the garden, that plot was the most unostentatious and natural." That is to say, color did not take precedence over scent or botanical variety over blooms. Then there were no tags with Latin names next to nondescript plants in tubs. Instead, there were roses, jasmine, gardenia, oleander, and tuberose in wild abundance. Oh,
1: that's pretty. Like a butterfly
0: garden. Yeah. A seat of white marble had been made round the base of a huge bakul tree. Before her illness, my wife herself stood at it twice a day, scrubbing it clean. On summer evenings, when her housework was finished, she sat there. She could watch the Ganges, but baboos in... But baboos.
1: People? Ah, uh, it is a Indian uh, word with uh, uh, respect uh, title for a, for men. Okay. Uh, and dear, uh, like uh, menu, respect.
0: Great. It's also this guy's last name. Yes. Which was why I was yeah, confused.
1: I, yeah. I yes same.
0: She could watch the Ganges, but baboos in company yachts could not see her. After many days of being confined to bed. She suddenly said one moonlit Ketra evening, I am sick of being shut up indoors. Today I shall go and sit in my garden for a while. I slowly and gingerly guided her to the stone seat under the bakul tree and laid her down there. I would have been quite happy to have her head resting on my knee, but I knew she would find this odd, so I brought a pillow for her instead. Full-blown Bakul flowers floated down in ones and twos, and shadowy moonlight shone through gaps in the branches onto her wasted face. It was still and peaceful all around. And as I sat beside her in the fragrant shadows and looked at her face, tears came to my eyes. I slowly edged towards her and took her hot, emaciated hand in mine. She made no objection. After sitting in silence like this for a while, my heart swelled and I burst out. I shall never forget your love. At once I realized I should not have said that. My wife laughed. In that laugh there was modesty, pleasure, and some disbelief, but also a considerable dose of the keenest mockery.
1: I love their relationship. He's just so enamored, and she's like, you're silly. (laughs) But she loves him clearly very much.
0: She offered not a word of argument, but her laughter said, you'll never forget? That's impossible, and I don't expect it either. For fear of this sweet, piercing laugh, I never dared use amorous words with my wife. Whatever came to my mind when I was alone seemed utterly stupid if I tried to come out with it to her face. To this day, I cannot understand why words, which when I saw them in print made my eyes stream with tears, seemed so ludicrous when spoken. Arguments deal in words, but you cannot argue with a laugh. So all I could do was stay silent. The moonlight grew brighter, The coal bird was calling more and more impatiently. I sat and wondered if even in the moonlit night like this, the female coal bird was deaf. Despite every medical effort, my wife's illness showed no sign of recovery. The doctor said, Why not try a change of air? I took her to Allahabad. Dakshinakaran Babu suddenly stopped at this point. He eyed me suspiciously and then sat thinking with his head in his hands. I also kept silent. The kerosene lamp on the shelf was dim now, and the whining of mosquitoes could be heard clearly in the still room.
1: I hate mosquitoes, they're the worst. I'm suddenly itchy.
0: I think the whining of mosquitoes might be the most universally feared sound on the planet. It
1: really is, like, especially if they're by the Ganges, which they are, I mean, they're by a huge river, so mosquitoes be abound. It's like when you get by a lake and it's just like, "Mm -hmm." it's the thing that drives most people crazy on uh, Naked and Afraid. Yeah. It, like, drives them insane. (laughs) It's just, like...
0: And, like, the biting is bad, but uh, it's the sound.
1: Well, because it's, like, the biting, and then, like, they never go away. They never stop. It's just, like, ugh. Ticks and mosquitoes can just fucking burn in hell, I say. (laughs) Like, forever and always.
0: Suddenly, he broke his silence and began again. At Allahabad, my wife was treated by Dr. Haran. He spent a long time treating her, but finally he too said what I and my wife already knew. That her condition could not be cured. She would be ill for the rest of her life. One day she said to me, I shan't get better and neither can I hope for a speedy death. Why should you spend your life with a living corpse? You should marry again. She saw this as a logical and rational solution. She had not the slightest sense of anything great or heroic or peculiar in it. Now it was my turn to laugh. That I had any of her talent for laughter. (laughs) Like the hero of a novel, I gravely and pompously started. For as long as there is life in my body... Come, come, she interrupted. Don't go on. Hearing you talk like that is enough to kill me. (laughs)
1: This woman is such a realist. She's like, that's sweet. I love you too, honey. But I'm gonna guess you want to get your boom boom on at some point else in this long life of ours, and I'm okay with it. It's like, it's fine. She's just like, she's so anti-romantic. She's just like so practical. She's like, dude, I'm sick. Can't have babies. Like, go go get your boom boom on. I'll be here. I'll laugh. I'll laugh at you. It'll be yeah. fine. Yeah,
0: it is kind of. It's like.
1: I mean, it's it's hard because he's doing the right thing in like traditional terms of like until death do us part. Like, mm-hmm. he, and he loves her very clearly and she loves him very clearly. It's kind of like when and I've never experienced this, thank God. But like like I know people that have lost like their partner at a very young age. Like one of the things they always say is please find someone else right before they die. Like they're like, I don't want you to be alone for the rest of your life, and like that, I can't even imagine like having that thought. But yeah. like, you have that moment and if you truly love that other person, you know you're going to be gone, and in a way, she is gone because she's like terminally ill and not present, and so she's being, she's being very, uh, progressive isn't the word, but very practical, in yeah. like being like, look. Um, this isn't fair to either of us that you have to dote on me and I can't be your partner anymore. It's it's not a partnership anymore. It's now a
0: yeah, but butt. like she was already acting that way before she was sick, right? Like he'd try She's to be anti- nice romantic. to her and she would like brush him off. She's
1: just anti-romantic. Like have, there's a I'm trying to like there's a character. Oh, it's us. It's <laughs> of course it is. It's an episode of Sex in the City. Um, when like the the Russian guy that Mikhail Burishnikov, he like when he's like courting her, courting Carrie, he's like speaking in like romantic terms, and she's just like, it's too much. She's like, this is just not how Americans talk, man. Like, she's she's just not. She's been, you know, she's like, eh, just like let's go to McDonald's and like get over. like, like it's so poetic and like romanticized. I mean, it's very Arcadia. Like Hannah and Bernard, like Hannah's, like, super, like, practical, and then you've got, like, the Byron scholar who's like, I love fancy words, and she's like, I ain't got no time for this shit, man, like, (laughs) I mean, we'll see where it goes, I'm just, it's, it, 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 it's coming from a place of, like, this is, like, they just have a funny relationship. Sure.
0: Sure. I think it's really interesting that you are so drastically on her side. Oh. And I'm going, yo, your husband is just trying to make sense of his life. Let him finish his fucking sentence. Well,
1: yes. Yes. (laughs) I mean, she clearly is, like, the aggressor in this relationship. But, yeah. But we don't, yeah. Who knows? I'm not, like, on her side. I just understand what, like... And it doesn't seem out of character at all. This seems like who she just is. Mm -hmm. She's always been like, I do my thing, you do your thing, we have a partnership. And then, like, now that she can't fulfill her side of the partnership, she's like, well, now I feel like this isn't fair kind of thing, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) I couldn't do that. Um, You know, when I'm sad and stuff, I need my boobie, but... (laughs) And I'm assuming we'll get some explanation.
0: Hearing you talk like that is enough to kill me. I shall not be able to love anyone else, I continued, refusing to give in. My wife laughed at this, so I had to stop. I don't know if I ever admitted it to myself at the time, but I can now see I was wearying of all the nursing with no hope of recovery. I never imagined I would back out of it, but I was dismayed by the prospect of spending my whole life with an incurable patient. When I was a young man, I had looked ahead. My whole future seemed packed with magic of love, the lure of pleasure, the charm of beauty. But that was all a mirage now and a hopeless, barren desert stretched out in front of me. My wife must have perceived this inner tiredness in my nursing of her. I did not know it at the time, but I'm sure she could read me as easily as the unjoined letters of a child's first reader." So, when I cast myself in the role of a romantic hero and solemnly mouthed my poeticisms, she laughed with affection, but also with helpless merriment. I still want to die with shame when I think of her godlike insight into my innermost thoughts.
1: Uh, can we just say that I just spoke all the things out loud that he just said? That was crazy. I was like, "That's exactly what I thought she was doing." She's like letting him go. Mm-hmm. She's like being the like you know. She's trying to lift. I I, I don't know. That was that was so some serious fe- female male brain energy right there, and it just blipped right out.
0: <laughs> Doctor Haran was one of the same cast as ourselves. I was often invited to his house. After a few days of going there, he introduced me to his daughter. uh The girl was unmarried. She was about 15. Oh, no, no,
1: no, the- no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's a different time. It was a different time.
0: Different time, very different culture. Mm-hmm. The doctor told me she was not yet married because he had not found a groom to his liking. But from others, I heard a rumor of some kind of scandal in the family. Yeah. She could not, though, be faulted in any other respect. She was as accomplished as she was beautiful. We talked of many things, and sometimes I returned home late past the time for my wife's dose of medicine. She knew I had gone to Dr. Haran's house, but never asked the reason for my lateness. I began to see a new mirage in the desert. Bursting with thirst, I saw clear, overflowing water lapping and purling before me. However hard I tried, I could not turn my mind from it, and my wife's sick room became doubly unattractive to me. My nursing and doses of medicine began to fail in their regularity. Dr. Haran said to me sometimes that death was best for those whose illness could not be cured because they could take no pleasure in being alive and were a misery to others.
1: What's the, uh, what's the term? The term when, uh, someone wants to die and you let, you help them die. Euthanasia? Euthanasia. Thank you. I was like, I was like, that's talked about a lot in, like, nursing homes and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And people who have terminal illnesses that are in severe pain and stuff, yeah.
0: General statements like this are permissible. He should not, however, have said such a thing with reference to my wife.
1: Yeah, that's a little sketchy. He's like here courting my my uh, daughter. Uh, maybe we should just kill your wife. Um, seems
0: like he needs to get his daughter married off real bad.
1: Yeah, something's wrong with his daughter, and that is not some doctorly advice right there.
0: She's a werewolf.
1: Ooh, in the middle of the night. How?
0: But doctors become so indifferent to human mortality that they don't always understand people's feelings.
1: (laughs) Bedside manner fails.
0: Suddenly, one day, I heard my wife saying in the next room, Doctor, why are you swelling your earnings by making me swallow all these useless medicines? Since my life has become so wretched, give me something to carry me off. Oh. Come, come, said the doctor. You mustn't talk like that. It cut me to the quick to hear such a thing. As soon as the doctor had gone, I went into my wife's room and sat on the edge of her bed, slowly stroking her forehead. It's very hot in this room, she said. You go out. It's time for your walk. If you don't go, you won't feel hungry in the evening. Going for a walk meant going to the doctor's house. I had told my wife that I needed to be out for some of the day in order to work up an appetite. I'm certain now that she saw through this deception.
1: You gotta work up an appetite, all right? Just bring it full circle.
0: The porn in the middle of the night left some things to be desired. <laughs> it was a little off putting that there was a sick woman in the corner of every single shot.
1: What if she's not actually sick? What if she likes that he leaves and she's, she's doing a it? werewolf? Cause she had, well, she has like that perfect garden and stuff. I don't know. They're like, like now I'm she's like, a ooh, I'm like, ooh, is there something going on with her? Like, she's like, she's like, I'm sick. She's seeing
0: Doctor Haran.
1: <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> Can't go out. <laughs> like, and she's like, go for your walk. I don't know. I now, now I have a. I feel like a twist is coming, but we'll see.
0: <laughs> I was stupid, so I thought she was <laughs> stupid too. Is that what it says? It
1: does? Yeah. See? And I thought she was stupid, too. Oh. Yeah. I'm
0: certain now that she saw through this deception. I was stupid, so I thought she was stupid, too.
1: There we go. I love it.
0: (laughs) Dakshinakaran was silent again after this, with his head in his hands. At last, he said, give me a glass of water. He drank the water and went on. One day, the doctor's daughter, Manorama, expressed... <laughs>
1: Manorama. A- <laughs> <laughs> there's no way you didn't hear that when you said that. <laughs> Manorama. <laughs> Not making fun of her name. It's a very pretty name, but the Muppets.
0: I actually heard Panorama.
1: <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> Um, we'll we'll move on from that. Her name is Manamarama.
0: It's Manorama.
1: Manorama. Manorama. Dude.
0: <laughs> Manorama.
1: Manamra. Yeah, anyway. Manorama.
0: L- uh, one day, the doctor's daughter, Manorama, expressed a desire to meet my wife. I wasn't exactly pleased with this proposal, but I had no reason to refuse it. So one evening, she came along to where we were staying. My wife was in even greater pain than usual. On days when the pain was bad, she would lie totally still and silent. Only when she clenched her fist or looked blue in the face could one tell what agony she was in. There was no movement at all in the room that evening. I sat quietly on the edge of the bed. Maybe she had no strength to tell me to go for my walk, or maybe she wanted me to stay with her at a time of such suffering. The kerosene light was by the door, in case it hurt her eyes. All that could be heard in the hushed darkness was a heavy sigh from my wife whenever the pain abated. Manorama appeared at the door, and the light from the kerosene lamp fell onto her face. She lingered in the doorway, making out nothing at first in the mixture of light and dark. My wife started and clutched my hand. "'Who's she?' she said. Frightened in her weakened state by the sight of an unknown person, she muttered two or three times, "'Who's she? Who's she? Who is she?' Like a fool, I first replied— I don't know.
1: That's not what you say. It's like, now she thinks she's seeing things, or there's a stranger in their house.
0: Yeah, that's like...
1: <laughs> not the, not the every response. Every
0: shade of the wrong response. <laughs> I don't know. So,
1: considering you told her to come to meet your wife. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Wow.
0: Like, weird flex, dude.
1: <laughs> it's like he chickened out the last minute to introduce Who's that, them. Huh? Uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> what the
0: Like a fool, I first replied, I don't know, but something seemed to lash me like a whip as I spoke, and I quickly said, oh, she's Dr. Haran's daughter. (laughs) My wife looked up at me. I couldn't bring myself to look at her. Then she murmured to the visitor, come in, and to me, hold up the light. Manorama came in and sat down. She talked with my wife for a bit. Then the doctor appeared. He had brought two bottles with him from his dispensary. He showed them to my wife and said, You should rub on the lotion in the blue bottle and take the other by mouth. Make sure you don't mix them up, for the massage lotion is very poisonous.
1: Oh, no.
0: Warning me to be very careful, he put the bottles on the bedside table, and as he said goodbye he called his daughter to come with him. "'Why can't I stay, father?' she said. "'There's no other woman to help with the nursing.' "'No, no, please don't trouble yourself,' said my wife in alarm. "'We have an old servant. She looks after me like a mother.' How good your wife is, said the doctor with a laugh. She's nursed others for so long she can't stand anyone nursing her.
1: She doesn't like to be da- like poured over.
0: As the doctor turned to leave with his daughter, my wife said, Dr. Haran, my husband has been sitting in this closed room for too long. Take him out with you. Come, said the doctor to me. Come with us and walk by the river. Oh, no. <laughs> I did not demure for long. As we left, the doctor once again warned my wife about the two bottles. I ate at the doctor's house that night. It was late when I returned and my wife was tossing and turning. Stabbed with remorse, I asked, is the pain worse? She stared at me, speechlessly, too choked to reply. I ran to fetch the doctor again. For a long time, the doctor could not make out what was wrong. Eventually, he asked, Is the pain worse? Why not rub on the lotion? He picked up the bottle from the table and, finding it empty, asked, Did you drink this medicine by mistake? By a silent nod, my wife answered that she had.
1: She didn't do that by mistake.
0: Nope. The doctor immediately rushed back to his house in a tonga to fetch a stomach pump. I fell half senseless on my wife's bed. Mm. Then, like a mother soothing a child, she pulled my head on her breast and by a touch of her hands tried to convey what she felt. By the sad touch of her hands, she assured me again and again, don't grieve, it's for the best. You'll be happy, and that makes me die happily. When the doctor returned, my wife's torments were over.
1: Uh. Okay, she wasn't faking it. There was not a twist.
0: Complaining of the heat, Dakshinakaran took another drink of water. Then he stepped outside and walked up and down the veranda a few times before coming in to sit down again. He did not seem to want to go on talking. It was as though I myself was extracting the words from him by a kind of sorcery. He began again. I married Manorama and returned to Bengal. She had married me with her father's permission, but whenever I spoke affectionately to her, whenever I tried to win her with loving words, she remained solemn and unsmiling. There were misgivings, perhaps, at the back of her mind that I didn't quite fathom, It was at this time that my drinking got out of hand.
1: Oh, no.
0: (laughs) One evening in early autumn, I was walking with Manorama in our garden at Baranagar. It was eerily dark. There was no sound even of birds fluttering their wings in their nest, just the rustling of shadowy jow bushes on either side as we walked. Feeling tired, Manorama reached the white stone seat at the base of the bakul tree and lay down with her head on her arms. I sat down next to her. The darkness was even denser there, though the bits of sky that were visible were covered with stars. The crickets under the trees were stitching, as it were, a narrow border of sound along the edge of the robe of silence that had slipped down from the sky. I had been drinking that afternoon, and my mind was in a fluid, maudlin state. As the darkness pressed my eyes, the shadowy shape of my wife's languid body, the dim pallor of her loose sari, stirred me with inexorable passion. But she seemed like a shadow herself, impossible to hold in my arms. Suddenly, the darkness over the bushes seemed to catch fire. A thin yellow crescent moon climbed slowly into the sky above the trees, lighting the face of the woman slumped in her white sari on the white stone seat. I could hold back no longer I moved and clasped her hand and said, Manorama, you don't believe me, but I do love you. I shall never be able to forget you. I winced in alarm at my own words, remembering I had once spoken the very same way to someone else. And that very moment... Above the bakul tree, over the tops of the jow bushes, under the yellow slice of the moon, right from the eastern to the far western bank of the Ganges, a laugh sped swiftly, a rolling laugh. I cannot describe that heart-rending laugh, the way it seemed to split the sky. I lost consciousness and fell from the stone seat.
1: <laughs> She's back. Oh,
0: so this is a ghost story. Yeah. <laughs> when I came round, I found I was lying on my bed indoors. My wife was saying, Why did you pass out like that? Didn't you hear? I replied, trembling. Didn't you hear that laughter, the way it filled the sky? Laughter, you call it? Said my wife, laughing herself. A huge flock of birds flew past. I heard the noise of their wings. Do you get frightened by so little? (laughs) no. In the light of day, I could understand that it was indeed a flock of birds in flight, ducks from the north, coming to feed on the river sandbanks. But by the evening, I could not believe that anymore. I felt that loud laughter was lying in wait to fill the darkness. At the slightest opportunity, it would burst out, splitting the dark and enveloping the sky. Things reached such a pitch that, after dusk each day, I was frightened even to speak to Manorama.
1: So we don't know if it's a ghost story or if he's just haunted. (laughs) Or both. (laughs) Like haunted by memories. Right, right, right. But is he literally haunted or is he, like, now...
0: So here's the thing. If it's a literal haunting, then this ghost... Is just a fucking dick.
1: I mean, she was kind of a dick during life. She would just laugh at him when he'd say stupid things. Right. Stupid things, nice things, but like.
0: Right, but that's because it wasn't what she wanted to hear, right? So if.
1: Well, I think it made her uncomfortable.
0: Right, right, right. So now, if after saying (laughs) you should go find someone else and then killing herself. She has decided she is going to laugh at him from the beyond every time he says something romantic to his new wife? That's no longer uncomfortable. That's fucking spiteful. That's
1: hilarious. <laughs> I can't wait to find out. I bet we do. <laughs>
0: Otherwise, the otherwise, story, the though. laughter is just alcohol-induced hallucinations. Well, there could
1: be that, too, yeah. as the doctor said at the very beginning. Have yep. you been drinking, sir?
0: I decided to take her on a boat trip away from the Baranagar house. My fears faded in the river's late autumn breezes. For a few days, we were happy. Lured by the beauty around her, Manorama at last opened slowly the locked door of her heart. We sailed beyond the Ganges and Korea and reached the Padma. The awesome river had started her long winter sleep, lifeless and inert as a hibernating snake. To the north, barren banks of sand stretched bleakly towards the horizon, and in the villages on the steep southern banks, mango groves quaked and pleaded in the face of the river's demonic power.
1: Holy shit.
0: From time to time, the Padma rolled over sleepily, and pieces of crumbling shore slapped and splashed as they broke away. We found a good mooring and tied up the boat.
1: That was, like, such a beautiful and terrifying description of where they are. (laughs) Like, it was like, it's beautiful, and she's opening up her heart. But also, it's a hibernating snake of dark, eerie, like, energy. (laughs) Like, what? Mm,
0: Demon river Demon river One day we wandered far from the boat as the golden shadows of the sunset faded. A clear, full moon rose up before our eyes, and as a great, unchecked flood of moonlight spread right up to the horizon over vast white sandbanks, I felt as if we alone were wandering in the boundless dream world, empty as the moon. Manorama was swathed in a red shawl, flowing down from her head, wound round her face, covering her whole body. As the silence thickened and nothing showed but an infinite, directionless whiteness and emptiness, Manorama slowly brought out her hand and gripped mine. She edged close and seemed to rest the whole of her mind and body, youth and existence, on me. My heart raced, And I wondered if love could ever be fulfilled indoors.
1: (laughs) Uh, what? (laughs) Is that a euphemism? Yeah,
0: so from now on, it's just sex in the woods.
1: Just sex in the woods. Sex and oh, we can watch that porn and review it. I'm sure there's a lot of those. Oh
0: yeah, <laughs> just amateur videos of people like
1: <laughs> doing, doing in the national park, doing the dirty, yeah, <laughs> Zion National Park. Wow, wow.
0: You and me, baby, ain't nothing, nothing but, but mammals. So
1: let's do it like they do in the woods on this channel. <laughs>
0: Where is there room for lovers except where the sky is open and naked and endless like this? We seemed without home, without doors, without anywhere to return to, free to wander without constraint through this moonlit emptiness, hand in hand, heading nowhere.
1: Vacation sex, the best.
0: Yep. (laughs) Walking like this, we came to a pool of water in the middle of the sand. The Padma had changed her course and the water had been left trapped. A long bar of moonlight lay as if in a swoon across the waveless, sleeping desert pool. We stood on the edge together as Manorama gazed at me pensively. Her shawl slipped from her head. I lifted her face, gleaming in the moonlight, and kissed her. At once a voice resounded through the empty waste saying three times, "Who's she? Who's she? Who's she?" Who oh, no? I started in alarm and my wife shuddered too. But the next moment we realized it was not a human voice, not a supernatural one either, just the call of the water birds scouring the sandbanks. They had been startled by the sight of people approaching their safe retreat. Sure. <laughs> Shaken by our fear, we hurried back to the boat. We lay on our beds. Manorama was exhausted and quickly fell asleep.
1: Oh, man. Cock blocked by the birds.
0: (laughs) By the ghost. Or
1: the ghost is, I mean, like, they're both like, it was just the birds.
0: Birds, it was definitely birds. Let's go home. (laughs) I can definitely rationalize this as birds. Birds but someone came and stood by my mosquito net in the dark and pointing once at manorama with a long thin bony finger whispered ever so softly and indistinctly into my ear who's she who's she who's she
1: i have goosebumps ew,
0: <laughs> ew. I'm standing by dick move. Uh, I mean... This was your idea. I don't know. I've got
1: goosebumps. That's all I know. That was creepy.
0: (laughs) I sat up and struck the match for the lamp. Instantly, a gale of laughter swept the shadowy figure away, shaking my mosquito net, rocking the boat, turning the blood of my sweat-soaked body to ice as it sped through the dark night. Over the Padma it went, over the sandbanks, over the sleeping fields and villages and towns, traveling on and on across countries and peoples, gradually becoming fainter as it shrank into the distance, leaving even the realm of life and death, becoming thinner than the point of a needle till it was too faint to hear, too faint to imagine, yet there seemed to be endless sky inside my head whose borders the sound could never cross however far it traveled. It went on till I could bear it no more. I decided I'd have to turn out the light or I'd never sleep, but as soon as I did so and lay down again immediately that strangulated voice returned to the darkness next to my mosquito net close to my ear. Who's she? Who's she? Who's she? Oh. To the same rhythm as the blood in my heart, it continued. Who's she? 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 Ah. In the depth of the night, on that silent boat, my round clock seemed to come to life too, its hands pointing from the shelf at Manorama and saying with its tick tock, Who's she? Who's she? Who's she? Who's she? Who's she? Who's she? Dakshinakaran Babu had turned yellow as he spoke, and his voice was hoarse. Drink some more water, I said, touching him. My kerosene lamp guttered and went out. I noticed that it was getting light outside. The crows were cawing, magpie robins were whistling, an ox cart creaked past on the road in front of my house. Dakshinakaran's expression changed. There was no sign of fear anymore. He seemed ashamed that the sorcery of the night and the frenzy of his imaginary fears had made him tell me so much. I felt that he blamed it on me. Without a single civil word, he abruptly rose and left the house. The next night, halfway through, there was a knocking at my door again. And the sound of, doctor, doctor. The end. Ew! Ah! Oh my god! Oh,
1: he ain't ever going to sleep again. Nope. (laughs) No.
0: You just got to become nocturnal.
1: Yeah, he just needs to sleep during the day. Yep. He seems like he's fine during the day, and then, like, yeah. yeah.
0: Nap during the day.
1: Just going to get a third, the, the third shift. Mm-hmm. Give <laughs> yeah.
0: a third shift job. We don't know what he does for a living, do yeah, we? No. No. Yeah.
1: So, maybe that's not an option. I mean, I don't think there were, like, I think when you're in a caste system like this, you kind of get told what you're going to be, but, uh, yeah. unfortunately. But... Uh,
0: well, if you're professionally rich, then just...
1: Then sleep during the day. Now
0: you sleep during the day.
1: <laughs> Whew, I don't, like... Oh, that's creepy. That was real. Like that was Okay, first of all, beautiful writing. Oh yeah. Super into that. Mm-hmm. I see why this man won a Nobel Prize in literature. Very, very beautiful. And of course, this has been translated. Um, but it's very beautiful language and like very visual. Like I could see that whole oh, story. Oh, yes,
0: yes, 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 yes. Without
1: yeah. being like overtly like descriptive, mm-hmm. it was like to the point description moving on. So it was like very active, but very visual at the same time, which I loved. But, whoo, that, that took some turns. I didn't know it was a ghost story.
0: So, there are two <laughs> options. Either it's a ghost story, it's or it's a story about a guy who went crazy.
1: Like, or right? guilt, so like, or guilt, if, or whatever. Uh, if
0: it's a ghost story, then the ghost of his ex- ex-wife is, a is needlessly vindictive. Yeah.
1: Uh, because the uh, whole thing was her was idea,
0: haunted. and now she's haunting him over it. Yeah. So, that... Like, who are you gonna call? Uh, Ghostbusters, absolutely.
1: Also, the the way he said he sounds like he blames the doctor because the doctor is the one that brought that poisonous lotion and left it and was like, "Don't drink," because he he had picked-
0: is it the same doctor though?
1: I don't know because
0: he's telling the story to a doctor. But as he's telling the story, he keeps referring to Dr. Haran, not to you. That's true. I think it's a different doctor. Yep.
1: Different doctor. Okay. So, like, blames him. I don't know. Blames him.
0: So, when he said, I think he blames me, what he was saying is, I think he blames me for the fact that he told me all of this.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, he feels embarrassed. Yeah. But, uh, like, I think he feels some guilt, and I'm sure- uh, uh, Manorama does too because Manorama was like I want to stay and help nurse her and she's like I'm fine and then she's like go away and take a walk so he feels guilty for leaving her she feels guilty for leaving her and Dr. Haran, like yeah is left poison in a sick woman's room when he knew that she was like contemplating oh. suicide
0: yeah I mean unless Dr. Haran is a fucking moron, moron. He, he knew exactly what was going to happen well
1: he did that on purpose cuz he wanted his daughter to get married yeah. so like yeah there was there was a lot of uh, there's a lot of guilt mm-hmm. in this story yeah. <laughs> so whether it is a physical ghost or a a mental ghost and if it's a
0: guilt ghost then i hope the doctor who is i guess technically our primary narrator yeah. although the person who actually narrates it is is the other guy. I hope that that doctor is a psychiatrist.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, he he needs a psychiatrist. Yeah. But I don't think those were very common.
0: (laughs) No, probably not.
1: At this time anywhere. Yeah. Um, Let alone, like, you know, in Bengal uh, on the Ganges. But, yeah, yeah, he needs some serious, like, Xanax or some shit to sleep. (laughs) Or, yeah, sleep during the day. Yeah. But really good story. I'm that yeah that that went on that went on a ride that was like a roller coaster and I had straight up goosebumps for like a page and a half of that that was who's she who's, who's she? she who's she who's she? she whos she I feel like it's uh fun that we're going to Mackers tonight because yeah. <laughs> it's like ghost story and ghost story
0: <laughs> hey listener what did you think of that one uh here's the important question do you think that that was a um uh, Mr. James style ghost story, or do you think that it was more of a like, like
1: Virginia Wolf, Chekhov
0: like, style tale of insanity and depression?
1: Yeah,
0: Chekhov's not the best.
1: No, I, I would say like more like a, a but one
0: of those Russian, uh, like Charlotte, uh, the,
1: not Charlotte Gilman. Uh, oh, D- Dostoevsky Yeah, Dostoevsky, yeah. something like that. Yeah, where it's like uh, a mental, yeah, mental ghost. Yeah, yeah.
0: I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Is he haunted or is he haunted? nuts?
1: Is he haunted or is he haunted? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's what, when I said that like earlier, I was like, yeah, I mean, like, is there a physical ghost or is he just haunted by the last words he heard from his wife? You know, like haunted. Um, yeah. Wow. That, that was a good one.
0: And while you're at it, uh... What would you entitle the porn where there is a creepy ass ghost in the corner?
1: <laughs> uh Ooh, there's got yeah, I, I'm gonna have to think on that. Maybe I'll, I'll say it next week.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um
1: Yeah, is that is that a, is that a genre? Ghost,
0: ghost porn? porn?
1: <laughs> I mean, it's gotta be out there. I'm sure there's no fucking somewhere. way it's not out there. Like There is nothing unspoken, undiscovered in the world that has not been explored in one way or another, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So um, message us on uh, 5050 production at gmail.com or uh, any of the social media. Just look for Campfire Classics Podcast. Um, let Heather know what a good job she did introducing the podcast this week. Yeah. Let us know if you think our narrator was bonkers or unjustly haunted or if you disagree and think that he was justly haunted. Do you think he fucked up and his wife should have been haunting him? Uh, and then also give us a ghost porn title. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So many, so many things you can send into us this week. All right. And we look forward to it. Cool.
0: Uh and this week's secret passcode is Ghost Porn.
1: Ghost porn, yeah. for sure. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> um, I think that's everything I got. Anything from you?
1: No, I'm great. That All was right. that was a fun one.
0: Cool. Well, <laughs> hey, thanks for tuning in. Uh and until next week, this has been Campfire Classics where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf.
1: Maybe it was just an owl parrot It was like ooh, she G- she, she. And <laughs> or windshield wipers? And Who's she? Who's she? Who's she? Who's she?
0: An owl parrot, <laughs> or know, windshield wipers?
1: <laughs> That's my explanation. Who's she? Who's she?